Welcome to the St Albans podcast, bringing you news, views and reviews for the city and district of St Albans. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans podcast with me, Danny Smith, and I'm joined this time around by our very own resident literary correspondent, Claire Hobber. Hello, Claire. Hello, Danny. So uh, we are, um, each month we get Claire on and we talk about uh, three books that Claire suggests that we, we could consider reading. Uh, and there's always a theme surrounding uh, the, these books. And uh, tell us what your theme is for your suggestions this time around. Well, I think that this time of year when you go for a walk in the country is like the most beautiful time of year. There's all this sort of white frothy cow parsley along the paths. There are the birds singing. There are baby birds tweeting for food. You can see baby bunnies and deer and things. So uh, my thoughts turn to nature and nature writing is really, really fashionable at the moment. There are lots of books coming out in that field. And I think it's um, partly related to worries about climate change and biodiversity. You know, we, we're thinking we should celebrate what we have and appreciate the nature that we've got. So all these books are actually very positive. They're not about um, climate change. They're about, you know, how, how beautiful and how wonderful the nature around us is. Hmm. I do think that there is um, more of an appreciation of nature and the world than than perhaps has been in the past I, that's certainly the feeling i get I, I feel that more people are becoming more appreciative of 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 nature in the countryside i wonder if covid fixed that do you remember that first lockdown where there was this beautiful beautiful weather and um, because the planes stopped flying the, the skies were really clear clear blue yeah. and i can remember you know all there was to do was your daily walk and i was marking each kind of flower as it came out and each i was getting really good at bird song i was even learning the different kinds of grasses because there was very little else to do but it stayed with me and i kind of sometimes guiltily wish we could go back there i think i think you're right i think people spent a lot of time where all they were allowed to do was go out for half an hour a day mm. and and people were exploring the countryside they were starting to appreciate that and also i think people are a little bit more um i don't know i think people seem to care a bit more about the planet uh, i think there are that, there are more mm. and more people who realize that there's a real there's a real problem we, we have an emergency you know we have to do something and and i think even if people aren't quite as active in 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 campaigning or you know they probably are generally speaking a bit more appreciative of what's out there yeah myself and my husband we joined extinction rebellion i've been interested in natural history all my life but my husband hadn't really and it's like the compensation for all the bad things that are going on he's also become much more interested in birds and flowers and so forth and once once you begin to know a little bit and to spot changes and to see what they mean and which ones are edible and so forth it's very rewarding yeah the church i go to we have an eco garden mm. and uh, i i, th- I thought it's just another excuse for a bit of derelict wasteland that they don't have to clear up but they actually <laughs> explained to me how well designed it is and what it does and and how it works and it, it really is quite impressive and it's just a tiny little corner um you know it's it's not it doesn't take up much space at all but but it's 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 been very well thought through mm, it's we quite can, interesting. same at our church saint luke's in selbarns lane there's again not much space but it's now buzzing with bees and um there are even frogs visiting our tiny weenie pond it's just you know made a huge difference in that corner where it is wow okay so our first book that we're going to be talking about uh, this month uh, is well tell us tell us about the first book so the first book is small bodies of water by nina minya powells 
and it was, came out in 2019 and it won the Nan Shepherd Prize. So Nan Shepherd was a pioneer of nature writing uh, early in the 20th century, but she didn't realise how good she was. And I think it was only when she was very old or maybe even dead that people found this book that she'd written, The Living Mountain, which was a description of her walks in the Cairngorms. And she's very interested not in just climbing up mountains, but in walking round mountains and discovering the whole of mountains. And it's mixed in with stories about her own life, with her own memoir. So anyway, in her memory, Robert McFarlane and other prominent nature writers, I think, fixed up the Nan Shepherd Prize. And Nina Minya Pals was the first person to win it with her book, Small Bodies of Water. And it follows in this tradition. So small bodies of water, she's talking about swimming pools, she's talking about lakes, she's talking about ponds in the various places that she's lived. But of course, we are also a huge percentage of the human body is composed of water. I don't know whether you know, I can't remember the exact percentage, but it's something ridiculous, like 95% sounds like we should just be a pool on the floor, doesn't it? I never quite appreciated this until an episode of Star Trek where an alien saw a human for the first time and referred to the human as an ugly bag of mostly water. Yes. And I always thought that, that was interesting. I think, yes, it's like 87% water or something crazy like that, isn't it? And, And you just don't think it. Yeah, so Nina Minya Powell is referring also to stories about her own life and she's led a, a she's not old but she's even so far led a fascinating life she's um half malaysian she learned to swim in a pool in borneo um where her grandfather studied freshwater fish so there's that thread running through her life and they lived in new zealand for a while where she'd swim on the coast every day and uh, as part of her education she came and lived in london where she was swimming in one of those uh, swimming ponds on a heath so it's a reflection both about these small bodies of water which are something that gives her something to hold on to and some security but also how it is to be a, a foreigner everywhere I guess and how it is to try and find a home and I can remember being really struck by her stories of having to learn Chinese which should have been one of her native languages I think one of her parents was a Chinese speaker but she wasn't and she's saying oh it's terribly difficult to learn Chinese um and you just think oh wow you know so her you know she's a, a person of many countries but also in some ways a person of none and I think the her memoir Small Bodies of Water really conveys that in a very sort of poetic and listenable and readable way okay that's uh, that's small bodies of water by Nina Minya Powell's, and uh, all the books suggested this month. Uh, the um, details are in the notes right now of this episode, and you can also find the details on our website, StAlbansPodcast dot com. Uh, I found out how much water is in the human body. You, yeah, you, let me know. Uh, what do you th- I've, I've got the? What do you think it is? I'm going to go for ninety five percent. Right, we were both quite high. Oh. Uh, apparently it was uh, in in our estimations not in any other way um uh, apparently it's around about 60 percent uh, oh. children it's a bit more um, but it can also fluctuate a little bit depending on the human it can go up to 75 percent in some i feel like somebody sometime told me it was really really high now who was that i'm sure i was told <laughs> let's go and get them 80 something percent <laughs> yeah. i'm sure of yeah. that but, i mean that's still yeah, yeah. So, so some i'm looking at this some places are saying up to 75 percent. so that's still quite a lot yeah yeah that's yeah no, just that's, wondering what the rest of it is now please so don't tell me 75 <laughs> percent is like almost three quarters you yeah know, so. indeed yeah Anyway, uh, the next book that we're going to be talking about this month uh, is uh, by Sam Lee, and it's called The Nightingale. So Sam Lee, um, 
He's authored this lovely book about the, the folk tales, the rhymes, the stories concerning the nightingale, and also the natural history of the bird. But he has a prior interest. So if you Google Sam Lee, you'll find that he's a folk singer. And something that he's been doing for some years now is actually singing with nightingales. So he goes out at night in April and May. He knows exactly where to find male nightingales. It's the males that sing, hoping to attract a mate. And at dead of night, he'll go there and sit under a tree. The nightingale sings for a long time incessantly. And he will, it'll, it'll do a few phrases, then he will sing back. And the nightingale seems to actually enjoy it. So I first heard a recording of Sam Lee doing this again during that first lockdown uh, late at night. And I thought, that is magical. I would love to be there. And lo and behold, you can go there. So every year they sell a few tickets for these events. And this year, after several years of meaning to do it, I actually did it. And we got to, us and a bunch of other people, we got to walk through the woods at dead of night without any torches, in silence, in a a single row, um, breaking twigs and things under our feet until we could hear in the distance a nightingale singing. Then we all very quietly approached and sat down on a bank under the nightingale. Sam Lee sang to it, it sang back. Over our heads there were the stars, we saw some shooting stars. Absolutely magical. Wow, that mm. sounds like quite an experience. It was extraordinary. Okay, so uh, so yeah, if you want to know more about um, the um, sort of the... I don't know all, all the stuff about about the nightingale. You, you know, from, from it sounds like this is this is somebody. If he's a, a folk singer and songwriter, he's probably quite the storyteller. I'd imagine. Absolutely, and he usually gets. Um, you know, he works in collaboration with other folk singers and storytellers to to enhance the the experience. If you go on one of his um, gigs, but also all these stories are captured in this book and he's also he's got another perspective i believe he's qualified in outdoor survival so he is a real countryman um and i know he's interested as well rather than perhaps going around all the folk festivals this is his specialism he's actually interacting with wildlife so i know somebody else i know is going to see turtle doves in the company of sam lee so okay yeah so that's the nightingale notes on a songbird by sam lee uh, that's the second book choice uh, for this month. Uh, our final one, uh, and all of these books I've noticed are all written quite close to each other. They're all fairly mm. recent, aren't they? As I say, a big fashion for nature writing and, and very timely. Before yeah. we lose this nature, we must appreciate it and do something to save it. So tell us about the final book. Finding the Mother Tree by Suzanne Seymour, um, written in 2021. So um you may have heard the expression the wood wide web whereby all the trees in an established forest are connected beneath the soil their roots are connected by a wealth of the threads of different kinds of fungus which act like pipelines so that trees can transmit both nutrients and water and even messages to one another so for instance a tree might be being attacked by caterpillars and it can send a distress signal further down the line so that other related trees will um will put out a kind of hormone that will put off those caterpillars okay before the caterpillars ever got to them and it means that the mother trees in particular will nourish um, other young trees who perhaps are finding it difficult to establish because the, the floor is, of the forest is so shady. She can send them, she can use her long tap roots and bring up water from further down and give it to young trees and also give them nutrients until they're beginning to reach the light themselves. So Suzanne Seymour 
was actually a researcher but working for the Forestry Commission. The Forestry Commission, this in Canada, in Vancouver, didn't want to hear her research. There was a strong tradition that the best way to grow plantation trees grown for paper and wood and so forth was to clear the ground of all trees, burn the stumps, spray the ground with what's called Roundup, which is a strong pesticide, a strong um, herbicide, so that the ground was completely clear, and then just plant the trees so that they were free to grow. It's called the free to grow policy. And her research started to show that actually that was the opposite of what was needed. You needed to plant your um, fir trees, pine trees that would be wood and paper later on, amongst birches and amongst older trees that you hadn't cleared up. Um, but because it was very hard, because the whole nature of the thing was that you couldn't separate them out from the forest and do a controlled experiment very easily. It took her a long time to make scientifically credible um, arguments and produce results that were incontrovertible. But I think now her work is um, probably almost completely accepted and is the basis of, of you know, ongoing forestry policy, although not enough, as she says, not enough. Yeah, um, I, I was just just reading mm. about her as, as you were talking there, and uh, yes, yeah, she's she's considered now to be a, a leading pioneer on the frontier of plant communication and intelligence. She has um, done TED talks that have been viewed by more than ten million people, mm. and her work has influenced um, James Cameron's Avatar. Mm. Apparently, within that, there's a there's something it says here about the Tree of Souls. Yes, and and that was that that all right. The Avatar is a science fiction thing, but that was influenced by her mm. research and, and what she has discovered and uh, a prize-winning novel that we've discussed on this program before called overstory by richard powers as well she's she kind of appears as a character in that okay um so very very impressive woman a bit like the nina minia powells that the idea is that you include stories about yourself in this so we follow um her through having her children to battling with breast cancer which may very well have evolved from some of the chemicals and techniques that she was using in her early research you know to eventually reaching a sort of a happy family equilibrium at the end okay so interesting here so you three three books this month that are all books about nature all non-fiction and at least two of them sort of memoirs as well mm. um that that's uh, you know that it does sound like uh, something that'd be quite sort of inspirational in, to read Yes, I know generally we, we talk about fiction, about novels on this, but there's there's this narrative element, strong narrative element where, and I think in the Sam Lee as well, he's including all sorts of his own stories in amongst the, the folk stories. Yeah. So there's, they're def- it's definitely not just a textbook on, on the interconnectedness of trees. It's about Suzanne's life and how it relates to her work with trees. It's about Nina Minia Powell's life and how it relates to... Um, her relationship with small bodies of water and, and yeah so they're really good reads as well as informative okay uh, thank you for those book choices for this month uh, as i said earlier the uh, the three books that have been suggested can all be found in the notes of this episode right now and also uh, on our website stalbanspodcast.com uh, thank you very much uh, to our literary correspondent claire hover and uh, claire you'll be back next month with some re- reads perhaps things we can take on holidays with us uh, sit around the pool and or wherever we go on our holidays and, and read yeah who knows whether there'll be easy holiday reads or challenging and i'd also just like to mention that i've got um another creative writing course coming up at books on the hill which have been brilliant place to learn writing in the sort of inspirational dumbledore study reading room upstairs um and that's starting september the 19th on tuesday morning so that'll be on their website soon and uh, also 
a, a blog which actually always has this green slant because that's always been one of my interests. Okay. Uh, the link to the blog will be, uh, as always, in, in the episode notes as well and, again, on our website, com, along with the information about that upcoming course. Uh, book quickly on that one because uh, your other ones have sold out, haven't they? Yeah, with a waiting list. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Uh, Claire, thank you very much. Uh, coming up on the uh podcast network on friday we have uh, our latest edition of the film guide with max hartington exploring uh, the new releases in the cinema on streaming services and max's pick of the best films to watch on free to air tv for the week ahead then we have the dagnall street baptist church virtual service on sunday with simon carver and uh, on monday another edition of one to one with elspeth jackman uh, so hope you can join us for those shows uh, you can find out more about all of those by going to our website sanalbanspodcast.com and we're also on social media we're on facebook twitter and instagram where we are at st albans podcast hope to catch you real soon thanks for listening to this edition of the st albans podcast with danny smith if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts or a podcast platform of your choice this will help us reach more listeners join us the st albans podcast next wednesday for more news views and reviews in the meantime commit no nuisance produced by samantha rolf Logo and artwork by David Ellis. This is an independent production in association with the Heart Advertiser. If you would like to become a community partner or a sponsor of the podcast, please visit stalbanspodcast.com for more details.